I want to say, Sister Bonnie, you know, I like it like, you know, like church. Sister Bonnie, actually, this, actually, she is, she is the wife of David Johnson. They pastor in Sacramento, California. Stand, baby, stand. At least let them see you. They don't know. Some of these folks don't even know who my sister is. It's crazy. Well, good morning. God's taking us on a journey because the first thing he asks of you and I, and he keeps on asking it, actually doesn't ask it. He commands it. It is the word of the Lord to every single person. When Jesus comes to your life, it's what he said in the very beginning. He communicated it to you in a way that you could understand it. But what it means is simply follow me. And he keeps asking. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about the interviews we've had over the last three weeks of men and women who said, I will, I will follow you, Lord. And what God does in the life of a person, when you decide that the pathway of your life is insufficient for your happiness, for your prosperity, for your future, and you take the pathway that the Lord chooses when he, when he extends his hand the same way he did to his disciples, to Peter, to the, to the 12, to the prostitutes, he says, follow me. So I thought you went, it's wrong. Oh, oh that means it's resolved? <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. This, this command of the Lord is really repeated again for us at this juncture where you are. You are not where you were 20 years ago, I trust. You're not where you were 10 years ago. In your journey, time moves you along the pathway. And the voice of God keeps saying the same things. What I have for you, you don't know. The way I show you, you don't know, but you know me. What I'm, what I'm going to bring in your life, you're not necessarily ready for. But the command remains the same. Follow me. And I want, I want all of you that have made that decision, that Lord, no matter what in my life, we are going to follow you with all of our heart. If you've made that decision, this is a little bit different. If you've made that decision, I want you to put your hands together and I want you to clap as saying, thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave me on the pathway where I was. I'm going where you want me to go and I'm gonna do what you want me to do. How about a bigger hand than that, amen. Lord, we decide that we're going to follow you. How we doing, Kitty? We all right? Almost there. Okay, shall, shall I proceed or shall I halt? All right. Hallelujah. All right, all right. So before you put the second one, I'll give you a second to do the second one. I'm still a movie buff. I hope you are. You may not be, but there are certain movies, when you see them, they, they um, get a hold of you in a way that you never forget. And this is one movie, actually, I, I actually recommend the viewing of this whole movie for those of you who have never seen it because it powerfully demonstrates what God has done for you and me. It's an amazing scene. Um, so Ken, let's go with that. 
Is anybody there? want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, and thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes? Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madame Gillot, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. understand how deep and wide and incredible the love of God is. But when they finally figure out, when you finally figure out that God's love for you and care for you is greater than your sin, it changes your life. Because you know down inside you do not deserve what has been given. The reason why punishment is so eternal, the, why, the reason why hell is what it is, is because grace is so great. Grace is what God does for you when you can't do it for yourself. Grace pays for you what you could not pay yourself. In unbelief, John was staggering at the incredible proposal that 
the bishop would give me what I stole to free me to be a man of God. For all the rest of his days, he would have to face the fact that that grace that was extended him had come to change him and he could never repay. When you watch the movie, you'll see that the movie unfolds and it's a story of a man who's living out his life. The name is Las Miserable. And that particular version is, I think, one of the best. I've seen several versions. That one, I believe, is the best. What's amazing about the movie is, is all of his life, all of his life, he lied and stole and killed. He was in prison, and they decided to let him go. And the first day he's out, he's at the bishop's house who opens his home to him, and he steals whatever he can to get ahead. He's so angry, and he's so, he is so full of venom that he was willing to take what wasn't his and at the open door of, of generosity and hospitality, his nature comes out. He takes advantage, having been caught. <laughs> you mean you're going to let me go? For most people, the reality that the Lord has paid the price and you are let go of the price you should have paid. How many of you... How many of you got a glimpse of the price you should have paid? If you didn't, well, maybe you have to go through something again. People who encounter the grace of God, people who encounter the forgiveness of God, it changes their inner nature. If you never see your sin, if you never understand the depth of, of the word is depravity, it means without righteousness without goodness, without mercy, depravity, without concern for others. Depravity is the epitome of selfishness. And in that selfishness, what happens to other people is an atrocity. If you never see the picture of how you look without the grace of God, you can never really appreciate Jesus said it this way, to whom much is forgiven, he puts it this way, they are the more thankful. And you realize how big the debt is. Somebody steps up and, and you're about to get pronounced <laughs> the penalty for your debt. And somebody steps up and pays your, your price. In a few days, I'm praying, I'm praying in a few days that one of the sons of our parishioners comes up for parole. And I'm praying by the grace of God that all that's been prepared for him will, will be received by the parole board and he will be able to walk away from a 13-year sentence. And what he was sentenced for, he deserved. But grace is an amazing thing, isn't it? Has anybody ever forgiven you for something you know you did? You know you should have done it. You remember, you know, you done it. You done it. Now you're going to get it. You remember that? You remember that? 
This, this is the characteristic of the church that Jesus birthed. It was so incredible until when you, when you read about it in the book of Acts, you, you read, it says this, Acts chapter 2 says, and all who believed were together and had everything in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and they were distributing the proceeds of those sales to all who had need. Day by day, they attended, day by day, attending the temple together. They were breaking bread in each other's homes. They received their food gladly and had generous hearts praising God and having favor, not with some of the people, but with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day because nobody gives like that in New Testament times. I'd venture to say if this was repeated today, it'd be the same thing. Nobody gives their stuff away like that. In a culture that's all about I, iPhone, iPad, I what? I Mac. I who? I Cloud. Come on, y'all. I what? I come. No, 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 no. Con, con, C O N. Yes, okay. I what? <laughs> Eye comfort. Of eye comfort. In the, in the world of eyes, nobody's writing, nobody's making you phones. They're not even making we phones. Today, it's all about me. In that light, if this was repeated among us, oh my God, what would happen? Okay, look at it this way. What would happen if, some, if, if someone stepped up? You have, a, you have a home. It's got a 30-year mortgage on it. Somebody stepped up and paid your 30-year mortgage off. Bam, like that. Do you think you might be happy about that? My brother and my sister just got a new home. I was in, I was in there the other night. I was in there the other day. It's a beautiful home. I was, I, was, I was there in their home. My namesake, the Johnsons, they're at home. Yeah, I was in their home, yeah. And it's beautiful upstairs, downstairs, the, you know, bedroom, closet. She's got three quarters of the space. He's got a little corner. Of the anyway, it, 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 it is amazing. What would happen if somebody just walked up to you and said, just wrote the check and said, here, here here's the balance of your, of your mortgage. What would you do? That's what I'm talking about. Folk be running like, oh, God. He come in snotting and crying at all the but Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. By the way, this happened when Bill Gates moved into a certain community in California. One of the, the people were complaining about the size of the building he was building and all the machinery and everything. They complained. So what he did, he took for several blocks in that community, he took the money and bought all of their mortgages. This is a true story. And he said, only thing I ask you, don't complain. How many of y'all would have shut up? Wouldn't have said a word. 
You done made everybody else shut up besides. Shut up, God. Don't, 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 don't be putting your mouth. You better leave Bill alone. <laughs> that level of generosity is only found, see, generosity is only found in people who truly have been forgiven. If you've never been forgiven, then, then that's not a part of your life. Down deep inside, you're still looking how you can look out for you. Whenever the life of the early church was, was described, the description was something like this. This is unreasonable. This does not make any sense. There's something wrong here. People don't just do this. But the reason those who followed Jesus were so different is because fundamentally at the bottom of their hearts, the message of Jesus is grace. We, my wife wrote a song about, the, about this word grace. You didn't write it? Oh, you, well, he couldn't have wrote it without but you because it was kind of a dual collaboration. I remember. She used to sing it. She was really, she's really, you know my wife can really sing. Sing, a, sing, just sing, a, just, I ain't got much time. Just sing one little stanza, okay? I know I didn't, I didn't warn you, but. What about keyboard player? Okay, then hold the mic, baby. I'm the mic stand. <laughs> you need it higher or lower? you don't understand what grace is. But when you know you're guilty, you know you deserve punishment, and you know you can't pay, you're the more grateful when somebody steps up and pays for you. And that's why the early church had such a demonstration of radical generosity. Every other religious system is set up on morals and good works. You got to do something to merit their concept of salvation. In many cases, it's not even eternal. But the message of Jesus is that you and I have been completely released from the punishment of our sins because he's taken that punishment for us. It is radical. No one becomes generous through guilt. 
And nobody becomes generous through manipulation. And none become generous by coercion. So Ephesians chapter 2 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It gives us a new relationship with our stuff. Because everybody here has got stuff. Say everybody here. Everybody here. I told you last week if we had a, if we if you all of you all bought the stuff you have not used or touched in the last year and piled it outside we could almost be amazon.com cuz we all got stuff cuz we live in a culture that puts a high premium on stuff some of you your stuff has still got tags on it because you know why it works the one that you got two years ago is out of style and you have to get another piece of stuff that's in style. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? We got stuff. But you know, when grace comes into your life, it gives you a new relationship with that stuff. And then what happens, the grace of God in your life is more precious than money. And now it's not a touchy subject anymore. Because you understand that you, you are who you are. You have what you have because of grace. But if you have, um, if you've experienced the grace of God in your life, God's grace forgiving your sins and releasing you from your past and making you a part of God's family, that's all a part of his grace, then you get a new view of life. You, you get a new, a new way you look at money. It's a new, a new way of looking at your possessions. So my question today is as it was last week as I share with you part two. My question for you is, have you experienced God's mercy and grace in your life? How has God's grace changed your attitude? toward other people? How has God's grace changed your relationships with people? Look at your neighbors and life is too short. Come on, find somebody. Say, life is too short to hold anything against anybody. How has grace changed your worldview? How has grace changed the way you parent your children, the way you deal with your marriage, the way you deal with the workers on your job. Grace infects your life in a, an incredible way that it literally changes the way you are and the way you act. Let me take it one, one step further and ask you another question. How has grace, how has the grace of God changed you in your giving and in the way you handle your resources. Because all through the Bible, there is a theme that when somebody encounters the incredibly generous grace of God, it affects their personal generosity. Instead of getting defensive or emotional over the idea of giving or even, or, or, or even getting suspicious when you're asked about it, you get energized 
because you have found that what Jesus said is true. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Maybe something you ought to deal with. I started last week. Four things you got to deal with to help you in your generosity because some people have experienced the grace of God, but somehow it hadn't transferred yet. It's come here, but it hasn't come out here. Sometimes people get caught up. There are four things I want to give you real quick today that will help you here so all that God wants you can receive. First of all, you got to settle the issue of ownership. You own nothing. Excuse me. You don't even own your life. Your life was purchased by his blood. And therefore, all that you are and all that you will ever have belongs to God, unless you don't belong to God. But if you belong to God, then you literally own nothing. That piece of paper that signed the deed or that, that, that receipt that you've gotten that says this is mine is fictitious. When God owns you, he owns it all. So say it with me. Think about it this way. Come on, say it, everybody. Say it. One more time. Come on. Everything that I own is on loan. Look at your neighbor. Everything you own is on loan. You only get to handle it for a season of time, and then it's over. Are you breathing? The first thing you got to do is deal with your ownership. You remember this? Wealth and honor. First Chronicles chapter 29, it says that wealth and honor come from you alone, and you are the ruler of everything. Power and might or what, 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 are in your hand. And it's at your discretion that people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are these people that we could give anything to you? Everything you have comes from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. So David said, Lord, I want to build you a temple. And he had at his disposal immense resources, gold and the finest wood and the finest stones and the finest material of silk and tapestry. He had all that. To his, he said, I'm going to build you a house. And then, then the Lord came to David and said, Hey, what kind of house you going to build me? Do you know who I am? God, to, you know, we allowed David to build that representative of a place where God would dwell. But God does not dwell. Tell your neighbor, God don't live in, in sticks and stones. If God would say to David, what kind of house would you build? Really? David, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And I own the hills. I own the earth that grows the food you eat. I, I, own, I, own the, I own the cotton and the synthetic fabrics that your clothes are made of. By the way, some of your clothes are made of such a synthetic that if somebody put a match to it, you'd be a flaming torch. Amen. But I just wanted you to know that. He said, I own it all. The heavens of the heavens are mine. The earth I've Actually, it's put on loan. It's actually, the earth I've given to the sons of men, it's actually, I've lent it to you for a season. You own nothing. 
We got to get number one straight. Have you dealt with ownership? Number two, you got to learn how to be content. When you're generous, you can be content. You know, there are people up night, up night, all hours of the night, trying to break through, trying to get ahead. And they don't even know that the God who owns them knows how to give them two or three lists of instruction that changes completely their financial situation. And they spend all their time worrying about it. Have you dealt with this issue of contentment? Because when you're generous, you can calm down. You know something. When you're generous, you, you, you understand that I can't in fact, tap your neighbor and say, one thing you cannot do is outbeat. You can't beat God-giving. Come on, tell them, you can't beat God-giving. I mentioned last week the story of the rich young ruler. When the Lord comes to him, he, it's the same thing. I want you to follow me. But by the way, sir, you can't follow me until you unload the riches that are holding you back. So Jesus said he gives, he gives prerequisites to those who will follow him. Again and again, he says it in the Gospels. If a man would follow me, he must first deny himself. Take up his cross. Then he can follow me. The way he says it to the rich young ruler, he says, sir, I want you to sell all your riches. By the way, it's the ruler that came to Jesus and said, Lord, I've kept all these commandments. What else can I, what else can I do to inherit the kingdom of God? So, the Lord begins to speak to him and he begins to say to him, I'm calling you. This, it's a true butt call. My Lord, Jesus. I'm serious? Really? God bless you. I thought it was a miracle from, <laughs> a miracle from heaven. <laughs> Have mercy, Lord Jesus. Where was I? Oh, yeah. If you're going to follow me, the Lord says, rich young ruler, if you're going to follow me, what you got to do, he said, I want you to, by the way, he speaks right into the heart of where his heart is. The Lord wants his heart. He don't want his money. So he says, I want you to take everything you own. I want you to sell it, take the proceeds, and give it to the poor. That's radical generosity. But when, but when, and then he says, and come and follow me. So the Lord says to the rich young ruler, if I could put it to you in these words, I, in these words I want to, I'm going to mentor you in business. I'm going to make you my disciple and show you really how to handle them. What you have is nothing compared to what I have. Some people feel bad about the rich young ruler because their contentment is not content. He certainly was content. Uh, he wasn't content. In fact, all his riches could not fill the void. That's why he asked the question. What else must I do? Had everything money can buy. I was in a conversation just recently. People have money, they can buy whatever they want to buy. But down inside, they are not happy. They are not content. And while it's important, while increase and resources you know and I know are so important, they change your manner of life. But I want to say to you today, my friend, they cannot give you life. 
until you become content in, in your heart with who you are and content with what you have. We don't know exactly what we're going to go through in the next two or five years, but I will tell you this, you had better mind your resources and you better know where your resources come from. You find contentment when you find grace. You find contentment when you find forgiveness. Number three, you got to deal with your fears. Make sure you know who owns everything. Make sure you come to a place that you're content. And deal with your fears. The more money you have, the harder it is to trust God. And the easier it is to trust in the almighty dollar. Isn't it ironic that in God we trust is printed on the very thing we find it most difficult to trust God with? And if you have financial, if you are financially blessed, it is a gift from God. But God doesn't financially bless us so we can use it to selfishly fulfill our own desires. He blesses us so that we can be more of a blessing. That's why I started with your father in the faith, Abraham. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing. And all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. And the promise still stands. Deal with your fears. Are you willing to give everything away? Come on, Bishop, really, come on now. Are you willing to give everything away? Not just what's in your checking account, but you know, your savings account, you know, your brokerage account, you know, your overseas account, you know, your offshore account. Are you willing to give everything away? No, you said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. I know what God said to the rich young ruler. If the Lord spoke to you that way, would you be willing to do that? Our tendency is to object to all-in assertions hmm. with loopholes. Uh, shouldn't I save for my retirement? Uh, doesn't the Bible tell me to leave uh, an inheritance for my children? Didn't, don't, don't I need to provide for my family's welfare? I, 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 I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm not sure we should, I'm not sure we shouldn't do any of those things, but that doesn't keep me or you from asking a point blank question. Are you willing to give it all away? Or like the rich young ruler, will you just walk away from the greatest deal that's ever been offered, greatest financial deal that's been offered to anybody in history? Everyone has a threshold when it comes to giving, whether it's a dollar amount or a percentage. There are some some giving levels that are effortless for, and others that, that make other levels that make us really uncomfortable. You see, the, the concept of generosity is in direct conflict with the concept of self-preservation. All of us have to deal with that. There's a point at which, there's a point at which I start to think that if I'm too generous, it's going to pose a direct threat to my well-being. But generosity is not about being irresponsible. Would you please say that? 
To be generous is not to be irresponsible. Come on, say that. To be generous is not to be irresponsible. But it's about an attitude in which God's voice is louder than the soundtrack in your head that says, what if? What if interest changes? What if inflation picks up? What if, what if the president gets reelected? What if he doesn't? Throwing that in there. What if I what if I have an emergency? What if, what if, what if? And isn't that what the enemy uses to keep our hearts from believing? Because that's exactly what Jesus asked us to do. Believe him and follow him. Mm. And yet God realizes that we have fears. That's why so many times in the Bible, when, when money's a topic, it's followed up with a promise of God taking care of us. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Saints, come on. Having all sufficiency in all things at all times. You may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 10. It is interesting how God addresses it. God promises that we will, that if we will face, if you will face, if we will face our fears, we won't live consumed by need or by desperation. No matter what happens, no matter what the vote ends up, no matter what laws are passed or not passed, the gospel comes to the church at a time when in spite of what's going on on the news or on the world scene or in, in terms of Wall Street, God is the head of Wall Street. God is over all. He reigns and he rules over all. And he knows, tap your neighbor, he knows how to take care of you. Never does God release us from generosity because that is the way he brings the rest of what he wants by the grace of God into our life. Something we have to practice and we have to be deliberate about. For some of us, we started out giving back to God and then, the life, then life happened to us. And for a variety of reasons, you stopped returning back to God out of what he entrusted to you. For some of us, it was never a practice in the first place. We never bought into the fact that we should be giving back to God out of the resources he gives to us. And you love what happens. You love what happens here at Metro City, but you've never taken that step to be a financial contributor to what God is doing here in your church. But generosity doesn't happen by accident. You have to intentionally 
make the decision and make it a priority or it simply won't happen. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and I would add, hopefully not erroneous to the scripture, in worship, since you excel in that, in love, see to it that you also excel in the grace of giving. Tap your neighbor and say, do you know about the grace of giving? Tap your neighbor and ask them, do you know about the grace of giving? There's a grace that comes with giving. So what God does, checking my time. Ah, okay. So what God does, because he knows what it takes for you to receive what he's prepared. Many of us have difficulties financially because we just are not working God's plan. Or we work it lightly. Or we never ask the Lord, Lord, in what ways do I need to be more generous? Let me give you quick. I can do it in five minutes. Put me on the clock, Tiff. Are you there? Say yes if you are. Okay. I'll run it down real quick. Number one, here's how you get some of these. Well, look, well, I haven't been that way. I mean, I kind of give, but you have not been that overflowing, that, that, that kind of generosity that shocks others because you're not afraid, because you really are content, because you, you, you're not wrestling with what or who owns what. You've settled that issue. Mm. Mm. four quick things and, and you decided to make giving a priority in your life so let me give you four things that you can do number one make giving in your life make that the first thing and don't forget that God sees what you do with it because for God it is a, not a money issue. It is a heart issue. From a special, from a, from a spiritual perspective, every time you give to God first, you're actually communicating faith to God. And you're saying, God, because I want my trust to be in you and not in my money, I'm going to give to you before I spend anything on me. And then I'm going to trust you that I can live on the rest. Make giving a priority. Just simply make it the first thing. And when you do that, it'll become a habit. And you'll watch God begin to change the income. Honor the Lord with the first of your wealth. Even talks about first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow. Thank you. Wow. Number two, give God a percentage 
of your giving. Some people are, will go to the mat with you wrestling on 10% because I don't find no 10% in the New Testament. I won't take the time today, but it's actually in the New Testament as well as the Old. The issue, don't be legal. It's not legal. It's heart. It's a place to start. Don't forget, it all belongs to him anyway. So we, give him a percentage. Give him the first percent. By the way, you'll find out you can live more on the 90 than you can on the 100. And that 10% that you give, you actually, when you first start doing that, you, you think I'd miss that. But God knows. He knows how to back up his word. Raise your hand if you don't miss the 10%. If you do not, raise your hand and raise it high with gusto so that people can see. I don't, you get the, I, I, get, I don't miss it. Of course you don't miss it because God knows how to increase. And the people said amen. Start with a, start first, start with a percentage. Commit to a growing generosity. My wife and I decided, okay, okay. So we started giving 10, then we started increasing it. So we started, I remember we said, okay, we're going to double. We're going to end up not only going to tithe, we're going to double that amount. And it, it's amazing how, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You weren't born then, but they really did write the song. You can't beat God given no matter how you try. The more you give, the more he gives to you. Just keep on giving. Come on. Because it's really true that what? You can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. No, it's actually three. I'm done. No, I'm done. I'm done. No, 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 I'm done. Give it back. Give the right percentage. And, 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 and decide that that generosity is going to grow. Where it says grow, that means God says, trust me with more of the resources I gave you. Trust me with giving more of the resources I gave you. So I talked to you about, um, I talked to you about J.C. Penney, who decided, I'm going to live off of 10%, and I'm going to give 90%. He didn't start. He just started. He didn't start giving away 90%. He started giving increments until before he died, he was literally giving away 90% of what his company earned. And he was living off the 10% and he was living really good. Here, here's what God wants. This growing percentage. Because whenever you grow the percentage of the amount you give, you're saying to God, okay, God, show me. And God wants to show you exactly what he can do you got to do right. You got to understand, bow your head. You got to understand how much you've been forgiven. You got to understand that he already ransomed your soul. And for the for the all the evil and the wicked you have ever done. Excuse me. All the wicked and evil things that were done to you. He has paid for and made provision for you. So God in his blood has made it possible to reverse the effects of what happened to you in your youth. 
the sin that was done to you that shaped you to the person that you are along with the sin you have committed. The blood of Jesus is full price. Pays for all of it. Check this out. His blood pays for those who did it to you. That's why you can't hold anything against those that did it to you because he forgives them. And then he says, you make sure you forgive them. No matter what they've done, because you are forgiven. Then he turns around and he says, if you don't forgive, then neither will you be forgiven. Wow. That's grace. God, not only change your heart and heal your heart. Many people, they their sins are forgiven, but they wrestle with the sins that were done against them. And because of that, they can't experience the transformation that God wants for them because they still hold it in their heart what happened. And yet God himself says, for everything you have done, you see, you're only responsible for what you've done. God will take care of what was done to you. And that's why this lavish, generous lifestyle comes from a heart that has been forgiven. May God give you grace, my brother, my sister. May God give you grace if you are not shutting off your own increase because you've been unable to forgive those who sinned against you. It might be the reason why your hand is not more open and giving. So as your heads are bowed, I want you to pray. Even for those that the Lord brings up in your heart, the Lord that the Lord will bring, the Holy Spirit will bring before you the people that you haven't released. That God, the God who's been generous toward you, expects you to be generous toward them and release them. It's the, it's the precursor to the kind of person God has called you to be. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you for your unspeakable gift. We did not deserve it, but you gave it anyway. And we thank you, Lord. We receive your awesome grace of forgiveness. And we choose, Lord, that we won't hold anything against anyone else. And we're asking, Father, that you allow us to have a heart that will enable us to be all in what you're doing. Not to hold back. Not to be suspicious. Release us from stinginess. Release us from unforgiveness. Release us, Lord, from our self-centeredness. And may we see your hand again and your voice saying the same, come, follow me. Lord, I thank you for that. 
And thank you for that transaction in the heart of your people today. It's in Jesus' name I pray for them and for us. And all of you that are with us on live streaming, may God touch your heart. The Holy Spirit release you that you can release others. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, Amen. Sometimes we need something. Sometimes we need physical expression to what we've done in our hearts. By the way, that's the only reason why we would do what, what's been called an altar call. It's really an opportunity for you to outwardly demonstrate what God is doing inwardly inside of you. So I want you to stand on your feet, everyone. Just stand on your feet right where you are. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I'm going to do. If in praying for you today, if you saw that you needed to release some people, the way you release them, by the way, is simply to verbally declare before God, I forgive them. I release them. I'm not going to hold them anymore. I'm not going to hold them in hostage. Isn't it amazing? You can hold people hostage for years and they don't even know that you're holding them hostage. And that very hold that you have on them is the hold that's on you. And they're running free. They did dirt and they're still rolling. So when you, when you release somebody, it's for you. God will take care of them. But if you today, if you said, okay, Lord, your grace has been so good to me that I I made that decision today. I release them. Raise your hand if you if you release someone today. Hold it up for just a moment. If, if, I, if you, I'm sorry, I got lights in my face. I can't hardly see you. Can you yeah, there now. Now that's a little better. Okay. And with those hands up, do you see somebody around you with their hands up? Would you be so kind to extend your hand to them and just pray for a moment for them that God would do a mighty work in their heart? That I'm not going to, when I think about you, I'm not going to think evil anymore. I'm not going to lose another night's sleep remembering what they did. I'm not going to entertain another voice because it's the voice of God. It's the voice of the Lord Jesus that says, I forgive you. I've turned you loose and I'm, I want you a lifestyle. I want to give you a lifestyle of releasing others. Thank you for praying for them. Thank you for just opening your mouth and as a body of Christ and just praying for them that they might be completely free. They may not have to carry that thing anymore. It's too heavy for you to bear. He carried our sin. He bore. That's what the, the Bible, when it says he bore our sins, it means he carried it. It was too heavy for anybody to bear. He carried all of it himself. For you, you wouldn't have to carry it. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit today, 
be released from that thing. That you can go free. That you can be free to serve him with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Come on, pray for him. And by the way, pray out loud. You know what to do, Metro. You've been taught. Speak that word over them right there where they stand. I thank you, Heavenly Father. Give you the praise. I give you the honor. And I give you the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This, is the, this day was for you. My God. So you could be free. Lord, have mercy. Change your life forever. And somebody said amen. Clap your hands to him right now. Just give him praise. All over this building. Give the Lord a praise. Amen. Turn to hug somebody and tell them you've been set free. You have been set free by the generosity of Jesus Christ. You may be seated. We'll just be here a few more minutes. Last week, we had a wonderful demonstration of generosity, don't you think? Bishop preached a great message about generosity. And today, he gave us some, some more parameters about generosity. We're going to begin a campaign. Not only are we going to give financially, but we're going to make the no, the month of November a time of generosity for other things. How many of you know that you can be generous in many ways? Amen. So um, our sister Yolanda has prepared out on the foyer a large box and that large box says veterans on the side of it. We are going to give coats and winter items towards our veterans. We're going to begin the collection. And then we're going to have a small team to actually go and deliver these things. How many of you say, wow, that's going to be great. I want to be a part of that. Because there are many veterans that are homeless. And they served our country, but they found themselves not in a place that's where they need to be now and they need help and so we are targeting veterans and so I would like for you to begin to go through your closets and veterans are male and female by the way so I'm asking the women as well as the men to go through your closet how many of you have coats that you haven't worn in a while how many of you have gloves and scarves and those kind of things that you haven't worn in a while? Or maybe I should say it this way. How many of you have more than one of those things? Uh-huh. Everybody's saying should have gone, gone up. So that's what that bin is for out there. It's, a, it's not a bin, it's a large box. So how many of you will say, I'll go through my things and I will bring my coat.
coats, scarves, gloves, whatever winter items uh, that I have, and I will donate them. How many of you say I can do that? All right, so that bin will be out here until we get to Veterans Day, all right? And we may do it a little longer, uh, but we're going to, that's one way we're going to give. Another way we're going to give, for those of you that may not have coats, we're going to begin to bring gift cards to the grocery stores. How many of you say, I know I can do that. I can get a little extra. I can get a gift card from Kroger or from uh, Publix or wherever you shop, Piggly Wiggly, whatever. (laughs) Get a gift card. When next time you get groceries, think, I'm not the only one that needs groceries. And right before Thanksgiving, we're going to do two things. Number one, we're going to find someone or some people to give within the household of faith. The Bible says that we should do good first to the household of faith. So we're going to find families that need a little help with their Thanksgiving dinner. All right, and we're going to give these gift cards away. And then what's left over, we're going to give to other families who do not have provision for Thanksgiving. That way they can shop and get what they want for Thanksgiving. All right, so two things, the coats and and, uh, items out there, and this is an ongoing, continuous thing, and then gift cards. Next week, I'm going to, and you remind me if I don't do it, I'm going to have a container up here, and you you have your gift card ready. And all you need to have written on there is how much the gift card is. It could be $10, $25, $50, $100, whatever. Whatever your family can give towards somebody else's family in a gift card from a grocery store. It could be Walmart. Yes, I know I hear some of you thinking, well, I shop at Walmart. Yes, wherever you can find groceries. Target has groceries too, right? Okay, so wherever they can get groceries, I'd like for you to bring a gift card from that place, all right? And we're going to collect them beginning next week. The container is already out there for the coats, and I will have a container, and I will present it every week until Thanksgiving. Is that all right? Everybody good? All right. We have a scripture, and our scripture is... Each one must... Second Corinthians 9... Seven. All right. Second Corinthians nine, seven. All right. This is what um, the Lord wants us to know today. My helper, she's helping me. She's turning it sideways so it'll be bigger. Isn't that cute? Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. If you want to, I got it, thank you. If you want to have an abundance and be able to give and have more than enough, then this is what you do. You become a cheerful giver. You don't become a, a, um, 
a one that has to be pulled on and pumped up and uh, reluctant. You have to become a cheerful giver. You have to purpose in your heart. This is the first step. You got to make up your mind that I'm going to be a generous giver. And then after that, you got to change your attitude about your money. And you have to become cheerful about it and not grudgingly. Some of you are like, yeah, well, I, I, I guess I can give up some of that, that stuff or give up my money. But I'm in the light of all the other stuff I got to do, well, no, that's not the kind of attitude God wants from you. He wants you to be happy to be able to give up what he has asked of you. The attitude in which you give determines how much you are able to have over what you need. Some of you have not had an abundance because your attitude simply has not been good. Some of you have been asking God, what is it? How come I haven't received? I've been giving and the Lord is answering your prayer today. It's change your attitude. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you that you have said that we must determine in our hearts that we must purpose in our heart not to give grudgingly and not even under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. And Lord, you said that you would make a way to have, for us to have abundance for every good deed. And so Lord, today, we change our attitudes. We turn around. We make a decision. We say, Lord, it is our pleasure to give to you because you have been so good to us. We appreciate you, Father, for this opportunity to give. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you who are given tithe and offering, we're going to have a special thing at the end. Uh, Elder Yule is coming in a moment. But this right here is for tithe and offering. Those of you who are using the app, this would be your time to use your strawberry, your blackberry, your, your green, your blue, whatever color it is, whatever kind it is, your 10, your 9, your 8, your 16. You know it's going to be down the road, right? <laughs> They're going to keep going. But use it during this time and make sure that you are putting God first. Those of you who are giving manually, I'm going to have the, oh, you're going to help this morning? Okay, great. So they are going to pass the receptacles, okay? And those of you who are giving by uh, envelope, there should be one right in front of you in the pocket, in the seat pocket, if you would like to give manually. If you're writing a check, which very rarely we get anymore, you spell million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N. You could still put that on the, on the app, though, right? You can spell million on the app. And you can spell hundred on the app. Or push the button for 100. Amen. Amen. This is our time for generosity.
We appreciate what God is doing in the house. So we have many ways to give. Isn't that great? This is, you know, when you get great opportunities to give, you should be expecting great opportunities to receive. You should. If you're a great giver and you're generous, then you should expect God to bless you. Amen. Elder Yule, are you coming? Come on, let's give the Lord praise again. Come on. What Lady Carolyn is sharing is, is so profound. My son um, shattered his femur. We didn't know how we were going to keep him fed. We didn't know how we wanted to take care of him. Um, it was just, it's, it's, we just didn't know. But the Lord provided, man. Oh, my God. I mean, never missed a day of eating. Never missed a day of people taking care of him. Never missed a day of rides and everything. It was the goodness of God. And I know it came through giving. Come on, let's give the Lord praise again. Amen. this time where we're going to honor Bishop Johnson and um, how many of you know Bishop Johnson turned praise God 71 years old amen come on let's give a little praise for that how many of you know the Lord has given Bishop Johnson the grace of youthfulness yes but anyway um, the Bible makes the statement he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man reward. Amen. And so what we want to do today is give you an opportunity, praise the Lord, to honor Bishop Johnson on his birthday. We asked every one of you to bring birthday cards and to place a gift inside of that card. Come on. And, and those of you who want to use cash app you can use this number and it will go directly to him 404-429-5662 404-429-5662 if you cash app him it will go directly to him but we ask everyone to bring cards and with your card uh, place your gift in that as well so we're going to ask Bishop Johnson if he would go uh, into the foyer and we're going to uh, because we have to change the sanctuary for Harvest Festival and as Bishop Johnson goes uh, to the foyer it would be in the foyer where you can give him your gifts and your birthday wishes. I'd like for you to welcome Pastor Tiffany Johnson. Just in case you didn't catch that number, it's Flynn Johnson 28, F-L-Y-N-N Johnson 28. That's his cash app. And so if you do good. So you ready to have some fun? Are you ready to have some fun? Dope. Today is going to be a such an excellent day. We have a lot to prepare for at the same time. We've done a lot of planning and we're ready to get things started. Do I see my, my, is my brother anywhere? He did okay, cool. So here's what's getting ready to happen. In right this second, go ahead and grab your things. Go ahead and grab your things. 
<laughs> grab your things because we're getting ready to turn this uh, 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 sanctuary into um, a combination of Metro MasterChef and a game room, okay? So this is what we're going to happen immediately, as in right now, your hot dogs are ready to eat. So if you would, about face, take your things and go right outside and uh, we're going to get started. And Chris, you got some instructions for us? 